Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Offense has been good. Defense has been good. Base runner has been good. Um, we've got to continue to do that against um, teams that are more engaged in what the end of the season holds, if I can say that as politely as I could. So, you know, this will, this next series will be a, a big series for us. You know, tomorrow we got a probably Cy Young winner on the mound, and, and we need to do what we can to score some runs early for us. Uh, it'll be a late night tomorrow, early morning into Tampa. Try our best to sleep on a not-Kikuchi schedule and, and get up and do what we can in Tampa. <laughs> that was Whit Merrifield after last night's 6-1 win. You got to love Whit Merrifield hammering the Yankees and taking a, uh, taking a little shot, a friendly shot at uh, everybody's favorite narcoleptic left-hander. You say Kikuchi, it's Blair and Barker. The pregame edition. I guess it's always a pregame edition, isn't it? Game three of the Jays series against the Yankees goes at 7.05. Jays going for a sweep. As you heard Whit Merrifield say yesterday, there is a probable Cy Young winner on the mound in Garrett Cole of the Yankees. He'll be up against uh, Jose Barrios. The Jays lineup is out, and uh, no, uh, Vladdy is not in the lineup. Vladdy was a late scratch from yesterday's lineup with uh, right knee discomfort. He underwent an MRI. We are uh, awaiting, hopefully, some sort of uh, clarification from the Blue Jays and what the MRI showed. But uh, in the very least, he is not in the lineup tonight. The Jays' lineup is as follows. Springer, Bichette, Biggio at second base, Schneider DHing, Chapman in the five spot at third base, Spencer Horowitz at first base, Whit Merrifield in left field, Alejandro Kirk behind the plate, Kevin Kiermeyer hitting ninth, and Jose Barrios on the mound. So again, we'll wait and see what John Schneider has to say uh, about Vladdy's availability. But Kevin, I we saw last night a Jays lineup without Vladdy against against a pitcher who was really good and an umpire whose strike zone was, I like to use the word creative, against an umpire whose strike zone creative. was creative. I'm being polite. Mm. But, uh, you know, a 6-1 win, a, a win accomplished largely on the basis of five walks, six walks, pardon me, out of the Yankees' bullpen. Uh, and, and, and fairness to the Blue Jays, some timely hits, Kevin Kiermaier, Bo Bichette, Spencer Horowitz. But um, I wanted to talk a little bit about something that was discussed a great deal after the game yesterday. And that is about the approach you have when you've had a guy basically shove for seven innings. What did Michael King have? 13 strikeouts, something like that. You've had a guy shove for seven innings. Mm -hmm. Now you're into the bullpen and nobody can throw strikes. And the guy who was a starter had really good stuff. Put me in the head of a Blue Jays hitter. 
going up the plate in that inning. I mean, I've seen Michael King all game long. Um, again, 13 strikeouts. You got guys coming up in that inning who'd already struck out twice in the game. Almost everybody in that lineup had already struck out twice in the game. Now you got a dude who can't find the strike zone. How, how do you adjust? How do you gear down or how do you gear up mentally for that? Yeah, I think it's very Given the umpire's strike zone is hard yeah, yeah, he's atrocious. You yeah. can say it. It was it's a minor league umpire acting like a big leaguer, wearing a big league uniform. Like it's, you can say it. It's true. You say uh, it. I'm not. Look, look Hor- Horowitz is, you know, when he had the the walk, that, that's who he is, right? He's, he's very aggressive in the strike zone. Uh, he takes balls. Like that's sort of his MO. Witt, been struggling, but he's been around. He understands situation, what's going on around him. You know, you sort of having that at bat on the on-deck circle. You see your buddy, way they're getting pitched, you go to the plate, you're real careful, right? You're, you hold your aggression to its limits, and you try and force that guy into the zone, fingers crossed that the umpire doesn't squeeze you or, or ruin your at bat. So, yeah, I, I, those situations that I can remember when I was in those spots, very individual. Like, I was always very aggressive no matter what. I was thinking swing first, and then take was – it was, you know, not really between the years most of the time. Right. Now, occasionally it was, obviously, when a guy's as wild as, as they were in the in the eighth inning. But, yeah, it's not – those are not the easiest of at-bats because you don't want to be the guy, you know, that sort of kills the rally and, and helps out the other team. So, you know, I saw Horowitz take an OO fastball center cut right down the middle. You know, you, that will tell you. He knows what's going on. Dudes are having trouble throwing strikes. It's okay to fall mm-hmm. behind because of how wild they are. It's, you know, sometimes you got to use a little common sense, and I think they're, you know, they're smart hitters. They, they haven't always been the best of hitters, but, you know, they got a decent idea, and especially the young guys. That's why they're in the big leagues. And Witt, obviously, two-hit Witt, and he's been struggling for a little while, but he understands the situation too, so. I think that's I think that's the way you attack it. You just got to know before you walk to the plate. Watch how your buddy's being pitched. That's that's how it is. And don't go outside the box. Don't try and be somebody you're not. And if you do that, it, it, you'll pass the baton the way you're supposed to pass the baton. Want to talk about Kevin Gossman's performance last night? Uh, ten strikeouts. It's the ninth time he's had at least ten strikeouts. Uh, Spencer Strider's had eleven of those games. That leads the majors. Um. I mentioned his ninth. That is best in the American League. Ninth start with double-digit strikeouts. He leads the AL with 232 strikeouts. Any guesses to who's second? Garrett Cole. Pablo Lopez with 221. Mm. Um, and currently he leads all American League pitchers with a 5.1 uh, fan graph war. Also first in the AL in strikeout rate and strikeouts per nine innings. Uh, he has 232 strikeouts so far. That is the fourth best total. Our good friend A.J. Burnett at 231. Robbie Ray's next on the list at 248. I wanted to ask you about Kevin Gossman last night. First inning, walks Judge, walks Torres, strikes out Wells, gets Stanton to ground out. Second inning, walks, I'm sorry, third inning, walks Judge, Torres reaches an infield hit. Wells hits a fielder's the choice. The judge stand. thing, I think it was on purpose. Go be real careful. And that's yeah. That, that he's that the was, one guy. That was where I. That was where I was going. Mm-hmm. Um, when you looked at that lineup, do you expect to see Jose Barrios? Now I have not seen. Well, I mean, I can't imagine the Yankees lineup's going to be any better. Would you expect Jose Barrios to take the same approach tonight? Absolutely, he'll have to. The reason why he'll have to is because Garrett Cole is uh, Hazel May. Yeah. Just tweeted, Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s MRI 
showed no structural damage on the right knee, just inflammation. He's day-to-day. So, again, that from Hazel May just literally a minute ago. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who's not in the lineup tonight, his MRI results are in, however. No structural damage on the right knee, just inflammation. He's day-to-day. So my guess is he may have been dealing with this for a while, and it's it's just... Yeah, we've seen him dh and off and on. There's reasons for that, right? You know, you don't want to let the cat out but, of the bag. But at the same people, time, well... And, no. and opposing teams that you have some issues with right. any part of your body to, you know, give them any ammo whatsoever. But we have asked John Schneider repeatedly whether Vladdy's whether Vladdy's issues this year are related to health. Yeah, it's not. It's, it hasn't been all year. I've asked the question okay. already. That's not an all year thing. All right, that's fair. All yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It's not. I mean, that's a that's a you. Yeah. Think, you think if they were going to make excuses, that'd be an easy way to do yeah, it, right? Well, why, that's what I. Exactly. Why hasn't he got thirty homers? Why hasn't he got a hundred RBIs? I mean, you could throw it off onto a a right knee issue. For me, to everybody that I've talked to, that's not the case. Okay, uh, let's go back to the pitching then, because I do want to talk about that. Uh, I want to talk about the way Kevin Gossman worked his way through that lineup, and. Um, what Jose Jose Barrios would do tonight? Yeah, Th- that really is the plan. Don't let Aaron Judge absolutely beat you. Absolutely, but later in the game when you have to get a dude out, you you're going to make the pitches you have to make exactly the way Gosman right. did. You know, when you're towards the end and you know it's it's you have the lead. Not having the lead's a little different than tied or behind, right? It's that's again this gets back to that scoreboard thing no matter where you're on the field whether you're a defender a base runner a hitter a pitcher the scoreboard will tell you everything you need to know about how you're supposed to tack the best player on the other team or anything you're doing on the baseball field so yeah look he was a little disconnected early with the delivery you could tell that he was having a little trouble with the release point you could tell that uh the fastball had better better carry that will make the split finger that much what better. Explains that, do you think? Uh, yeah, better finish. I mean, he, a pitcher is just like a hitter. I tell you this a bazillion times. Alec Manoa is the prime example of that when he would throw it and fall off to the first base side. It's that repeatability to where every time I release the ball, it looks the same, it feels the same. If those two things are happening, ball will go where I want it to go. Right? I'm, I'm aiming for quadrants. You know, I'm trying to get a dude out with. Because of his weakness or because of my strength, I have to attack that part of the quadrant. If I do that mechanically and have a good finish, what do I always say about good hitters? Don't look how they start. Look how they finish. Kevin Gosman is no different, and he is especially needing that finish because he throws two pitches, right? And you want those two pitches to look identical. If the heater has run and I'm a good hitter, I go, oh, I see that. And now all of a sudden I can stop, start laying off the split finger and then pitch counts go up and you see the bullpen a little bit quicker than you want to see it. Now, did Lance Barrett help him out? Absolutely. Like, I, look, if I'm hitting, when you got umpires behind the plate that are, that are like that, you just, and, and you got dudes on the mound, Michael King with the hiding the arm and the, the tunneling and the late movement that he has, and he just throws hard enough to make everything uncomfortable, and you could tell it was getting on the Blue Jays hitters because of it's just very hard to see, right? The little turn he has when he lifts his leg, he hides his arm up the, you know, his back leg, and it's you see it very late, and then he throws just hard enough, and and like I, I mentioned just now, the, the tunneling. So, yeah, th- this is sort of what the Blue Jays rotation does. They game plan very well. Like they 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 talk amongst each other, and you know when one guy's 
makes that start. The next guy coming up is sort of that conversation of how did you get him out? What did you do? Almost makes you wish the hitting. I, it's not lack of effort. I mean, hitting a baseball is a little different than throwing a baseball. I mean, let's be honest. You know what? You know what you want to throw. How hard you want to throw it. Where you want to throw it. Do the hitter know that? They're 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 trying to guess that you know that. Most of their issues are mechanics and seeing the ball out of the hand. So hitting and, and pitching is a little bit different. But yeah, this this rotation is what they got the second best ERA in baseball. Yep, they score. They're sixteenth in runs per game. Like that's that's the difference, right? Is it was one nothing for a long time. That's a B, you know? So there's a lot of pressure for them guys to always make the right decision. If you need to walk a guy, you walk a guy. Let's uh, let's set the schedule tonight and the standings for everybody. Uh, the Jays are, as we mentioned, playing the Yankees tonight. They've won five in a row. Seattle is off. They start a series against the Texas Rangers uh, tomorrow. The Houston Astros, keeping in mind again that those three teams in the West, one of them isn't going to make the playoffs. One of them's going to make it one way by winning the division. One of the other two probably won't make the playoffs. Houston is 85 and 68. They are idle tonight. They've got the Kansas City Royals coming up. And, uh, of course, Tampa Bay is next up for the Toronto Blue Jays in Tampa Bay as well. The Jays go into tonight's game 85 and 67. They are a game up on uh, Seattle and uh, Texas in the race for the wild card. The Jays have one more win than those two teams mm-hmm. and one less loss. And uh, they have the same number of wins as Houston and one less loss. Figure six and three. <clears throat> six, six and three because of the two teams that are playing each other. It's not going to be easy. You're getting Garrett Cole in the next nine games. You're getting Garrett Cole twice. You're getting Tyler Glass now twice. You got the Rays uh, pitching staff who are fourth in baseball in ERA. Right and you now, get Michael King on Tuesday. Yeah, right it's now not, it it's looks not like an easy get. Glasnow, Littell, and Taj Bradley are the not three pitchers it's, you're going to so get. So you're getting Tyler twice. It's not an easy yeah. get. Like you're going to have to – this this oozes, catch everything, don't beat yourself, don't be doing things on the bases you're not supposed to be doing. And when you can tag up or that situational hitting with a dude on third in the third inning and your VAR show – Get a ball down, hit a sack fly, get the run in, right? These are going to be very close games. You, very, very close games. You mentioned not hurting yourself on the bases. Uh, I didn't realize this. Buck made this comment last night. Uh, Whit Merrifield stole second base last night in the seventh inning. That's the third successful stolen base attempt by the Blue Jays this month. Mm-hmm. That's three weeks in. You surprised that a team... I, I, you can only do what you can do. I understand. You, 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 you can only do what you can do. You can't turn Alejandro Kirk into, into Lou Brock. Yeah. But are you surprised that a team that has had as much difficulty scoring runs hasn't maybe tried to manufacture a little more uh, on the bases? Yeah, I don't know how you would do that. Like, there's – like, it sounds to me like the, the manager's taking the green light off it. That was my next question. Okay. That's what it seems to me like. I mean, I that saw Kevin. I've seen Kevin Biggio trying to steal third right. a couple of times. Uh, you know, it seems like he's got the green light. He's a very smart base runner. You know, you don't want to be dumb and run 3-0 with the leadoff hitter up. Like, you don't want to do things like that and almost get thrown out. But that, it's that. It's the Again, this is not rocket science. Turn around, look at the scoreboard. That thing will tell you all you need to know. I don't look. I don't need to look at Louis Rivera to give me a don't run sign, or 
to have John Snyder and and what nine games left have to walk up to me and go, hey, dude, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing these things? Like, it's baseball one hundred and one. Yeah, yeah. These these dudes are smart. It's just sometimes the moment gets too big, and then that's when the grown up in the room needs to raise their hand and maybe put the red light on, and it looks like somewhat with certain guys that it's station to station. They understand they're not going to score a bunch of runs. 16th in baseball. That ain't going to change. There's nine games left. They are – you seen yeah. – you read the lineup. Yeah, they are. It ain't, it ain't no. oozing fear in that thing. Like, basically from that three-hole on, you're over there with your eye closed just, you know, why well, he runs into one. Or, your it is. It, so, no offense to the dudes in the three to nine hole, but – that's sort of where they're at now. So that station to station thing, and, and you're relying on your strength, which is the dude stand on the mound. Like they've done everything that they've been asked to do, and then some. And Jordan Hicks looks to me like he's solidified. You is, know, doing things that is he's it just, just a matter of him getting rid of that. That no, he threw it last night too. I think you just got to be careful with it. The sweeper, or whatever. You know, yeah, it's like it's like it's like whenever you're educated guessing at the plate. You have to set that up. You ain't doing that in your first at bat. You're doing that, say, in your third at bat with a runner on second base because you've hammered his fastball when he's trying to get you out. That's sort of the way pitching is. It's, you, got, you just got to be aware of, you know, everything that's going on around you, and, and when the situation arises, you, you make that pitch when you're supposed to make it. So, yeah, it's, you know, look. Blue Jays are a good team. Are they a great team? Yeah, I don't think so. But, you know, the pitching would scare anybody. If you got, if they could line it up with Gosman and, and Barrios and Bassett, boy, and 14 hours of sleep from you, say, that take your chances with that. And the bullpen, you know, you line up the right guys. You don't bring in the dudes you're not supposed to bring in. You know, you don't. instead of having to use four guys, you only use three. You make it a little easier for John and Petey to make the right decision, like, they're they're trying they're trying to outsmart teams. They're not trying to outhit teams. They're trying to outpitch them. They're trying to use the twenty seven outs that they have the right way for the next nine games. And again, you you look at that. What I just mentioned, who they're about to face for the next next nine games. Six and three would do it. That's ninety one wins. Like hmm. you got to figure with who their other teams are playing that are around you. One of them teams is going to be out. This gives you a chance. It's right in front of you. You're in a playoff spot. But this dude tonight. Two starts against them, 11 and two-thirds. He hasn't given up a run. And he's going to be doing it with some vinegar. Yeah. He's basically, he's throwing a lot of heaters. Throwing that heater about 50% of the time. And with two strikes, it's about 50% of the time. They ain't no guessing. Like, I ain't got to go up there. Springer's probably going to get the sliders. Everybody else, Bo will get some sliders to get some elevated fastballs away. Like, they're going to give you, Garrett he's going to get after you. Garrett Cole is going for the Cy Young Award, knowing that his team has a lousy offense. That he's he 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 his goal tonight is going to be to give up no runs and go deep in the game because he saw the, the way the bullpen looked yeah. last night and again he's trying for the Cy Young. So now, there's no bones about that. He'll you know that you know that yeah, if you're absolutely. the Blue Jays and you know if you're the Blue Jays you look at your lineup and you know that you don't have your he's going to get the Jays one, two more times tonight and the next time they face him. What's like you, what's your approach tonight then again? I think fastball. Him. He throws a bazillion. I can't. Nobody can hit the slider anyway. We look for it. Well, I'm, I'm gonna do that. I'm not. I'm gonna look middle away. I'm not gonna try. I'm gonna try and lay off the fastball too, because it's got late giddy up to it, 
and it looks like it's rising. So for me to be mechanically sound enough with his velocity to catch that out front, it ain't chances are not real good. But I could see it down, let it travel if I'm right-handed, stay inside that thing, and use that little short porch and right. Uh, it's right in front of you. That's And these are dudes here, if you overthink it, it'll, it'll mess you up for games to come. He likes his heater. He thinks it's good. He thinks he's good. Stand over there on the on-deck circle, get it ready, get in an athletic position, and think short and quick, stay inside the baseball. Look middle away for a strike. Sell out to that, take your chances. I mean, he's really good, and hopefully Barrios will be really good and give you seven scoreless. And, you know, maybe when Garrett comes out, you'll you'll have the beginning. But because there's going to be some dudes in there that are going to overthink this, be very aggressive. He's going to flip the slider. They're going to chase. That'll get him in a groove early. You got to try and stay away from that. But again, we've talked about this game plan thing all year. Some reason or the other, just not capable of doing that. But there is some guys in the order tonight. You know, David Schneider likes the elevated fastball. He don't like the fastball away. If I'm Garrett Cole and I and Kevin Barker knows that, you know Garrett Cole knows that. So he's going to get fastballs away. He'll get fastballs up and away. He'll get sliders that are probably looking like a strike that'll end up three feet off the plate to try and get a young kid to chase because he's two for his last 27. This is real simple. He's sitting clean up. <laughs> sitting clean up. Kevin Biggio is going to get the elevated fastball. Matt Chapman is going to get the elevated fastball. Spencer Horowitz is going to get a bunch of secondary uh, change-ups in the elevated fastball. Whit Merrifield is going to get sliders and fastballs up and away. Alejandro Kirk, you can give him basically anything. Kevin Kiermaier, take your chances with a fastball away at 99 and elevated fastball. Springer going to get a bunch of sliders away. I don't, I'm not in a room, but I know these dudes, and I know Garrett Cole. It's not hard. Like, I don't need a, a khaki to walk up to me and go, George, you're going to get sliders away and fastballs up and away. I, it's, it's, and now, because there's only nine games left, and these are big-time games, simplify that thing as much as possible. Understand that that short porch is in right, and I don't have to hit that thing hard to, to be rewarded for it. If I can get a decent pitch to hit that's middle away from me, Bo's basically the only guy that can cover quadrants with a fastball, and hit it to right field. Mm. Everybody else needs it to be way. That's the point, right? You got to know yourself. You got to know your swing. You got to know what you got to do to catch it out front because he throws really hard. And I got to lay off the slider because nobody else can hit it. Nobody else. I'm not thinking I can. And he's trying for Cy Young because he's going to be doing it with vinegar. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. This is what this is what it's all about. Everybody you ever talk to that's in a pennant race, I've never been in one of these. But everybody that I've talked to said this time of the year, this is when you find out how good you are. Like mentally, physically, mechanically, facing a really good pitcher in September when you're fighting for the playoffs. This is, I mean, this is what you dream of, no? We have the perfect guest coming up in a few minutes to discuss that. He is Joe Madden, former MLB manager, author of the book of Joe, Trying Not to Suck at Baseball and Life. He's also host of the Book of Joe podcast alongside Tom Verducci. And their most recent podcast, is this timely or what? How to win in October Mm. and preparing for the postseason. So Joe Madden will join us in a few minutes. Ben Verlander, host of the Flippin' Bats podcast and MLB analyst with Fox Sports, will be along. And at 6.30, Jeff Passan, MLB insider. 
will join us. 7.05 is the first pitch tonight from the Bronx. It'll be Jose Barrios against Kevin Gossman. Then it's off to Tampa. Should we give the folks an Alec Manoa update? Is there one? Well, according to our Ben Nicholson-Smith, Alec Manoa has received multiple injections to his right pitching arm following extensive visits with medical professionals. The shots were intended to reduce inflammation and discomfort for Manoa. Uh, According to the report, team doctors have found no structural issues. Manoa himself has continued meeting with additional specialists. And uh, those visits with doctors continue with a view toward rolling out elbow and shoulder issues as well as thoracic outlet syndrome. This is according to industry sources. I, I mean, Alec Manoa, isn't, he been shut down for throwing for a while. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where we are uh, with Alec yeah. Manoa. And I think most of us moved, moved on from Alec Manoa. Uh, the question yeah. now is... Well, and and I understand, you know, going on social media, there's a lot of people who are already willing to tie the can to Alec Manoa. I'm just going to say this. We need to hear the whole story. We have not heard the whole story. You think we will? My guess is we will hear the whole story in spring training at some point. I'm sure Alec Manoa will sit down and open up. Mm. But, look, we've been... All I'm going to say about this, though, I got to say a couple of things. First of all, on a human level, I hope Alec Manoa gets is is ready to go in spring training. Um, secondly, for this organization, having a dude who isn't going to cost a lot of money, capable of potentially being a Cy Young finalist, is really, 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 really important. Um, so I, I think I just. I'm going to caution people. Let's let's let this play out. Let's let the whole story come out. And even if it comes out in dribs and drabs, and let's not jump the conclusions necessarily on Alec Manoa. Like, mm. obviously, there's a stress here, not a yeah. stress between him and the organization. Mm. Obviously, um, obviously, there are some issues in the relationship. I think they're probably both, both sides want the same thing. I it's, it's not to the Blue Jays' benefit to have Alec Manoa's career over. Both sides want the same thing. I think what we have here is we got a, a difference of opinion as to how uh, it's going to be approached. So I'm just that that is the Alec Manoa update. Um, yeah, again, you know, you know, we can all say what you want, and you can all feel what you want, and you can all tweet what you want, and you can all call up Blue Jays talk whatever you want about Alec Manoa. All I'm saying is let's wait until we have yeah I hope the that, whole story. I hope that's right. I hope they know what it. Is now if you're Alec doesn't well I, now, I mean, now if you're, now if you're Alec you go home you get yourself in the best shape you've ever been in to now know that you can perfect your mechanics enough to take the pressure off of whatever yeah. all that is so you can repeat you know, that over and over again and be the best Alec you can possibly be to help you yeah. and your organization now, go first, as far as you and your organization possibly can. Yeah, I don't That's get... a no-brainer. I don't get the sense that they know what the issue is yet. Well, it the, sounds the, like they're well, maybe the, getting closer. Well, the fact that they're... The fact that they're still dealing with swelling. You got to get the swelling down before you know what's going on there. So, uh, anyhow. Well, it, again, it, it's... Uh, you know, I figured I'd, I'd talk about it, and I'm going to leave it, because um, there's just... Uh, there's... 
nothing, and I'm not doubting Ben's sources or anything like that, but until I hear from the horse's mouth exactly what it is and what has happened, I hate to say it, but it's kind of an out-of-sight, out-of-mind thing for me. Joe Mm. Madden's a former MLB manager. He's next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Seven oh five will be the first pitch tonight from the Bronx. Garrett Cole against Jose Barrios. The Jays eighteen games over five hundred for the first time this year, going for a sweep of <laughs> yeah. the New York. You know what's funny about that? They're ten games out of the American League East. Yeah, well, behind the Orioles. The Orioles are good. Uh, mm. Joe Madden is former MLB manager. He's author of The Book of Joe, Trying Not to Suck at Baseball in Life. I love that title. He's also host of The Book of Joe podcast alongside Tom Verducci. Uh, The two gentlemen just recently discussed something Kevin and I have been talking about, how to win in October and preparing your team and yourself for the postseason. Joe, thanks so much for joining us today on Blair and Barker. We trust that you're doing well. Um, You know, Wildcard teams have had success in the postseason, and I've had managers tell me that it's good to have to, you know, go to the whip hand down the stretch and just kind of keep winning and keep playing and roll it into the playoffs and keep going. And I've had other managers say, you know what, it's really nice to kind of wrap things up earlier, let your guys rest, uh, get your pitchers lined up. So I'm going to ask you, all things considered, you'd rather have – You'd rather have that first round by, would you not? Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on, guys. And yes, the answer is yes. You always want the rest. I don't know why. You, uh, sometimes you go to the whip and sometimes it works. But uh, when you get to this time of the year, your pitching staff and your bullpen is exhausted because they just try to get you to the playoffs uh, primarily, that's really when you get worn down. And position players is one thing when your pitchers really got to it's bullpens. When you got to go to the whip with the bullpens, it can be detrimental when you get to that, that point. Uh, when we 2016 with the Cubbies, we, we clinched with a lot of time to go. So I kind of declared another spring training where I treated the bullpen as though it was spring training. You pitched on certain days. You threw so many pitches, you were out uh, so that we could use it a little bit more heavily when it got to the playoffs. So there is a fatigue factor. I'm, I'm I, I know that that's true. Uh, with the uh, Rays uh, one year, we had to be you guys in Toronto just to get there. We had a playoff game the next night in Texas to beat them. Day off, wild card game against Indians, beat them. And then by the time we got to the Red Sox, it was pretty difficult. Last point, Nationals a couple of years ago when we uh, Wade Davis pitched like two plus innings. Game five in Nash at, at Washington, we we beat them. It was, it was one of the toughest five-game series I've ever experienced, maybe the toughest. And then we had to go to Los Angeles, had a problem with their airplane, uh, uh, medical emergency, landed in Albuquerque, spent the night there. Then you got to go try to beat the Dodgers in L.A. the next day. Fatigue matters. So whenever you can take care of you guys, you want to do that. Joe, how do you, how do you uh, I don't know, finagle around feelings? Like John Snyder here oh. had to pinch hit for Matt Chapman a little while ago. It's this everyday third baseman can be the easiest thing to do. Whit Merrifield has been really good for a couple of months. Hasn't been real good last couple of weeks, right? Can't play him because 
They're not scoring any runs. You got to play the hot hand. You got to work both sides, right off the field and on the field. Hard to do as a manager this time of the year. Tough conversations. That's what it's all about. I had to do the same thing with Jason Hayward. I remember the conversation in San Francisco. He walked in my office. And the biggest thing about a conversation like that is it has to be completely honest. Um, if I tell him the truth, he might not like me for a week, maybe 10 days. If I lie to him, he might hate me forever. So you got to you got to just be honest. And uh, professional athletes can handle that. Uh, if you tell them that they know, they know that what you're doing is the right thing to do. They do. Uh, but ego gets in the way. You want to be part of it. Absolutely understand all of that. But if it's the right thing to do, have the conversation. Not easy, but have it and be honest. Uh, Joe, how hard is it? This kind of dovetails off Kevin's question a little bit. But when you're dealing with you're dealing with guys you've known for a while, maybe you've managed them for two or three years. Uh, maybe you've managed them in the minors. You know these guys, and it, it, you have to have those conversations. How much does previous experience with those players uh, come into play? In other words, mm-hmm. is there, if players know you and have known you for a while, are they, is it just natural that they're more likely to, to trust your call as opposed to maybe somebody who has only managed you, you know, for a couple of months? I think on the surface, that sounds true. Um, I, I know for a long time with the Angels, a lot of the guys got to the big leagues and we won in 2002. I wasn't the manager, but I kind of raised a lot of those guys mm-hmm. who were on that particular team. So I had some difficult conversations. I was in charge of difficult conversations all year. Mm-hmm. You know, whether, you know, is that uh, having a drink afterwards at the Vinoy on the portico at 4.30 in the morning and the relief pitcher coming across trying to hit me <laughs> because I was just being honest with the guy. Uh, you got to be honest with these people. They got to hear it. They got to hear it straight up. And if you don't do that, um, I, I don't think you're getting all where you want to go. I don't think you're going to win that brass ring eventually. So it should be, yes, uh, theoretically easier. But then again, if you've veteran players that really get it and they're there and their real, uh, their real uh, uh, desire is to win a championship. They, all they want to do is win. They're level five players. Um, I want to believe they can understand that too. So maybe some guys caught in the middle where ego definitely gets in a way. It becomes way more difficult and yeah, it can't, it can't be problematic, but that doesn't mean you don't have the conversation and it doesn't mean, Oh, uh, you, you try to rationalize. Well, I've known this guy forever. I've only know this guy for three or four months. You can't do that. You just got to do what you think is right in the moment. And again, tell them straight up. That's the only way to do it. Joe, is that like panic mode? It's sort of like uh, say a manager gives you green light all year. Uh, you try to steal third when you're not supposed to, he takes it off. Mm-hmm. He puts the red light on like the rest of the year. And there's only like 10 games left or, you know, you're not scoring runs and all of a sudden he's starting to hit and run. And, you know, he's asking you to hit behind the runner and move the runner. Is that a panic mode? Does that normally work for a manager to do that this time of the year on a really good team, sort of like the blue Jays who have issues scoring runs? Well, it's, it's hard to ask guys to do something all of a sudden and expect a good result. It just is. Yeah. It is. It just is. And, and furthermore, you know what's a problem? Getting the sign. Getting signs could be very problematic, and that's the one thing uh, I get upset. Probably the only thing I really get upset about during a game regarding my group would be that we miss signs. Because when you miss signs, as Don Zimmer told me, when they're missing signs and you're not managing. Uh, but I really try to maintain the same methods all year long and not surprise them. Like, no, don't ask somebody to butt that's not bunted all year, as an example. Um, with us, for, again, for example, we beat up the Cardinals in a 
I think it was the NLDS, I'm pretty sure, uh, when uh, Garcia, Jamie Garcia was pitching. We back-to-back safety squeezed him. And it kind of like that kind of blew up the whole game in our favor. But that's something we had done all year. Uh, it's hard to ask guys to do new things right now that you haven't done before and expect a good result. Uh, I really prefer uh, uh, planning it all year, working on the same things all year. The Packers sweep. You know it's coming, but they, you still can't stop it. Mm. That's how I describe the safety squeeze of these guys. Mm. They know we're going to do it, but if we execute, they still can't stop it. So when you start wanting to add things right now, it, it sounds beautiful. It sounds wonderful. But I'm telling you, uh, it's very difficult to do that, um, and especially under the scrutiny of playoff baseball. Yeah, that's great stuff. How about batting order? Like like the Blue Jays, and I and I want to bring it back around here because Kevin Biggio's hitting third, David Schneider's hitting fourth, right? Not typical three- and four-hole hitters. This time of the year, nine games left, right? You're trying to go six and three because of who's around you. A lot to ask. If you're the manager of the Blue Jays and you're basically – because they're human beings, Joe. You know this as well as mm-hmm. anybody. Mm-hmm. They're going to try harder because they're hitting third and fourth. Like, I hit third and fourth in the big league once I thought I was a 4-0 hitter. Like it's you're a run producer. You're trying to hit homers. You're trying to hit the grand slam with two dudes on, right? It's just human nature. Conversation between two players like that, if you were the manager, would be what? Well, first of all, you're right. I mean, it's weird. When you start moving guys around, they start thinking differently. Yep. And I found that out early on, like with Ersti, uh, when he was a 2-0 hitter, he felt like he had to move runners. No, Ersti, you're in a 2-hole because I want you to turn it loose, you know, hit some holes, Hit the ball in the gap, do whatever, whatever you want to do, go ahead and do it. Uh, don't change anything. You're just now the two-hole hitter. Conversationally, yeah, I, I don't want them to do anything differently. I, they're there for a reason. It's based on their body of work all year. I see things in them uh, that I think is going to be beneficial to us. They might be the hot hands. Maybe they match up well against this pitcher. I don't know these two guys well, but maybe one's a really good elevated fastball hitter. The pitcher tonight's going to be throwing nothing but elevated fastballs. Boom, I want him up there. Another guy might be a really good cripple ball, bad uh, breaking ball hitter, strike, kind of a slider speed bat, and that's what we're seeing tonight. These are the kind of things you want to move people around for. And then, of course, protectionism within the order. Um, who's hitting behind who? Force somebody to pitch to somebody. And then in the latter part of the game, how does this match up against their bullpen? And are we able to make um, moves regarding, do I want to, can I pinch it for this guy? Do I want to? And if I do not, how does this look uh, the latter part of the game against their better pitchers? I mean, believe me, man, I think about all this stuff before the lineup goes out. Yeah. Joe, what does it take to be a terrific postseason player? You know, we have the, the, mm-hmm. this day and age of analytics, there's always talk about what, what is clutch, what isn't clutch. Right. But but what does it take to be a, a, a really good postseason player? Because, I mean, you know as well as anybody, there are guys who raise their game. I mean, there just are guys mm-hmm. who raise their game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guys the guys that can breathe, the guys with the slow heartbeat, the guys that really enjoy the moment, and there are those guys out there. Um, uh, that's the best way I could describe it. And, and then, of course, I mean, uh, how's he been playing recently? Is he, is he off? Does he have his, is his stroke down? Does he have his confidence all those things obviously do matter, and maybe at some time you got your best player, and all of a sudden everything's gone awry, and he's not doing anything in the playoffs. He starts him uh, providing more pressure on himself, and eventually he's not the same guy that you had known all season. Um, to me, the biggest thing is for me as the manager, for us as the coaching staff, to not change anything. To when you come to the ballpark, 
same kind of work, same kind of meetings, no more information, actually less. For me, it's just the time of the year when you provide less information and not more. And you really rely on athleticism and the ability to just react in a moment. I mean, everybody thinks I'm an, everybody thinks information is winning these games. You know, baseball players are winning these games, guys that could think in a moment that are able to uh, adapt and adjust on the fly and they can breathe in the moment. Those are the guys that play well. Uh, just to be, to think that you're armed with more information and that makes you better. That could actually be counterproductive. You need to call it down right now, provide nuggets and then stay out of the way as much as you can. You maybe you started making me think about the protection in the lineup because of Vladdy and the sort of up and down year he's had. And I, I mm-hmm. wonder, Joe, if you say you had a great player like Vladdy, a great hitter and you had another mm-hmm. good hitter, is it better to put the good hitter in front of the great hitter or behind him? Well, again, it's I'm looking at who's pitching for them. Yeah. Uh, what, you know, what am I seeing tonight? Of course, you, the great hitter needs to be protected because he's not going to see anything if, if he's not protected. So the great hitter behind the good hitter, if that's what we're saying, mm-hmm. that the good hitter is still going to get pitched to, but this great guy, um, I, I don't like, I don't like them going up there naked. I just don't, I don't like that. And now in today's game with the three batter minimum, uh, it really, for me, emphasize if I have a good left-handed hitter, yeah. that's my guy. I got to put two righties behind him, not one. I mean, for a while there, when, when it was the other way around, I was going right, left, right, left, right, left in my batting order to try to make the, the manager uh, maneuver a lot. But now when you have a guy being able to pitch the three hitters or having to pitch the three hitters and just say I got uh, Bryce Harper as an example, mm-hmm. I like to have two good significant right-handed hitters behind him because one guy's not going to protect him. They'll pitch around and walk that guy, whatever. I need two guys behind him. So the way the game's played today, and again, based on good left-handed offensive players, for me, I like double protection behind him and not just one guy. That's awesome. You know, you talked a little earlier about the information at this time of year and, and you know, that it, it's players who win games. I mean, one of the things mm-hmm. I've often wondered is, you know, you get to the end of the postseason, there's two teams left. Um, you've got a lot of eyes on two teams. You've probably advanced scouted uh, teams in the series. How do you, as a as a manager, go about ensuring that that information is distilled properly? Right, because there there are. I mean, everybody's going to want. You know, three of us watched the game. We saw three of us were scouting the Braves. We filed these reports. How do you go about ensuring that your players just get what they need? Right, because I, and we look, we know there's I mean, people are going to laugh about this, but it's true. You know, tickets for families, like there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes oh, on yeah. in the postseason, right? There's a lot of legit, mm-hmm. a lot of logistical stuff that goes on in the postseason. How do you ensure that the right information is getting there and and the stuff that is interesting but maybe not all that pertinent kind of gets shoved off to the side? Yeah, I mean that really comes down to me to an experienced staff. Um, sometimes the analytical group wants to become way too involved in this and they start providing uh, the presenters. They want to present all this information as though it is uh, the reason why we're going to win. And tonight's game where the series or the world series based on just information to me, it is a very minor part of all this where the information is really good. I think is pitching, you know, pitching um, those numbers really stand up well. And I just want, my pitcher and my catcher to have nuggets. Again, I use the word nuggets a lot, mm-hmm. but again, certain hitters, where do I go? What is this? 
where, when I really need to, it gets hot. Where do I need to go against this guy? And, and really, uh, don't go rogue in this moment. Don't go off script right now because that can be devastating. And that's, you know, right now with the speed of the game and the, and the pitch calm, the communication between the dugout, if you're given a sign now and then, has to be like at warp speed, which is fine, and it can be done. But those are the moments that I really want to make sure that we're making the right pitch against this guy or have the right mindset in, in regards to analytics and how it's applied during the game. Pitcher, catcher, huge. Defense, it, you know, defense is another place where analytics really does shine, but there should not be, there doesn't have to be a whole lot of conversation during the game. You set this up before the game, you pretty much know what guys need to be in. The cards are in their back pocket now. Cannot be made more easy. So that part of the game is set up before the game, and that should pretty much remain consistent and easy. The part that's more difficult and needs to be really nailed down is pitching. Now, take it to another level. Relief pitchers. And the way pitching is handled today in general, I mean, guys are just, many guys are just trying to throw the ball as hard as they can at the top of the strike zone. So all that information to me becomes moot. Unless you could actually pitch and, and, and know what this says and actually pitch the spots, throw a strike, the ball slider, a curveball, change up underneath the hitter, then elevate in. Unless you can do that, the scouting report, again, is moot. Uh, so it doesn't apply to everybody, although it seems pretty and that it should. So these are the kind of things you need to know as a manager, a pitching coach. What do I say to this pitcher? What are his capabilities? How much do I give him based on what he's actually able to execute? All that stuff matters. It's not, you just can't take a, a, a bank of information. I think it, it's germane to everybody because it is not. Joe, terrific insight as always. Thank you so much for this. Yeah, it's awesome, Joe. Thank you. Thanks, man. All right, boys. You, you be well. Thanks for Thank having me. Thank you, guys. Joe yeah. Madden, former MLB oh, manager, awesome. author of the Book of Joe. It's a terrific book, mm-hmm. Trying Not to Suck at Baseball in Life, and host of the Book of Joe podcast alongside Tom Verducci. Check out the podcast for uh, uh, more details I, on I, managing and prepping for, I, for the postseason. I find it <clears throat> interesting about protection. I, th- I think that's intriguing to me, like the way – superstar hitters are pitched to. It's just, it's like Aaron Judge. And it's like last night. Why would you ever throw him a strike? I, I don't, if Torres beats me, I tip my hat to him. Good for you. Good job. But I, he's not gonna. Like if I got to throw a slider seven feet off the plate, I throw a slider seven feet off the plate. It's funny how that works, right? And the way he said, if he's left-handed like Bryce Harper, mm-hmm. I got to stack two righties instead of one righty. Yep. That can hit. That is a threat. Yep. That people have to game plan for. Like, it's just, and then I don't want to bring this back around, but then you look at the Jays lineup. It's, <laughs> yeah, but we all, I mean, look, it, it, it's, well, it puts a lot of pressure on Matt Chapman well, it, if you it, look at that lineup, don't it? It does. But Kevin, you were, you were the first one this year, and I give you all the credit in the world. You were the, the first one in spring training that said, Jeff, they don't have a cleanup hitter. Yeah. And here we are, September 21st. Guess what? They don't have a cleanup hitter. No. I mean, no disrespect to the dudes who are cleaning up, no. but. They don't have a cleanup hitter. And, yeah, I, the, the whole story, the protection really interests me because, you know, as I said, there's the other thought as well that protection occurs with a guy in front of you. But, I, you know, I, I, I think having Joe explain it and talk about especially, especially stacking the two righties ahead of the lefty. You know, when you hear Joe explaining it that way. Behind the lefty. I'm sorry, behind the yeah, lefty. Yeah, behind so that, the lefty. So, that you, so you can't walk the can't righty walk behind him. him. Exactly. Because of the other righty. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's, 
It's hmm. like the theory of it works if Springer and Bichette get on. Then they have to pitch to Vladdy. Yeah. If one of them gets out and only one of them's on, I throw my OO best slider to Vladdy and hopefully gets himself out. How many times you seen him swing at a sinker? Three feet in off the plate and ground out the third. Mm. Oh, oh, a lot. That's the point, right? And and maybe they can fix that in the offseason. Uh, it's time for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Poffo. Poffo getting ready. Poffo's, Poffo's got a big, nice, relaxing weekend coming up. Got a nice, long weekend. Well, hopefully it's a stress-free and uh, relaxing victory tonight for the Jays as they look for the sweep. They're going up against... Thank you. They're yeah. going up against Garrett Cole. Yeah, it is. Watching this team. It is. Yeah. I hear that they have a pretty good record against the AL East this year, too. It's getting better. Yeah, it's no, getting better. It is. Uh, yeah. yeah. Anyways, uh, Garrett Cole having an, an unbelievable year, as we uh, touched on yesterday. Over six and a half strikeouts is what we're looking at tonight. Uh, that's what the numbers set at at Bet Rivers. Over six and a half, under six and a half. What do you guys think? I'm just looking at his last five starts, 11, 7, 7, 9, 4 uh, against Pittsburgh. I don't mm. care about that. Uh, Jay's lineup, hey, coming off a game where Michael King struck him out 13 times. Deception. Late movement. Yeah. I Good change up to lefties. This dude's going to throw heaters. Okay, yeah. do, you, do you think his heater will play at the top of the zone to... Biggio, Schneider, Chapman, Horowitz, Kirk. Go Kiermaier in there, too, but he likes the heaters. So those five guys, do you think that's going to play? I got to – I mean, I got to take the over. I'm taking the over, too. I got to take the over. Uh, Um, Even if Vladdy was in the lineup, I'd probably still take – I'd I'd still take the over. The two starts against the Jays, he's punched out four in his first, six in his second. It's too late in the season to even look at those stats, I think. But you're you're also right. This is is, (laughs) – The alpha dog tonight. It's all about him. It's all about Garrett Cole. I, I, I think he I think he exceeds that. The Yankees may not win. Um, but and I also think further to your point, after what Aaron Boone saw yesterday, like, hey, Garrett Cole's going to empty the tank tonight. He, he'll Every last ounce of whatever he has. I think he's going to do that anyway. But So I, I think, yeah, I take the over. If he, if I he take ha- the over. If he has the late breaking breaker... With the elevated fastball, he gets some called strikes on the fastball away. See, that's the thing, right? When when he's dominant, is he's going glove side to righties. He elevates with two strikes. He'll start the slider middle away and have it dive off the plate. Those are the three things he'll try and do. If he gets called strikes from the fastballs away and can steal strikes with the slider early and counts, yeah, it's gonna be a handful. So I don't think you we know can, they're gonna have to we're have both a, gonna take the over. I don't think we. They're going to have to have a decent game plan. I don't think we can create any Short and quick. Here. That's the game plan. Uh, ben Verlander and Jeff Passan are next. Lots of talk about pitching. Lots of talk about Shohei Otani with Ben Verlander. And, uh, of course, with Jeff Passan as well. And, uh, well, a lot going on. Talk about the uh, new hire the Detroit Tigers have made uh, in the general manager's office with Jeff Passan as well. Lots ahead. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan and Sportsnet.